0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am your host, Aliza Kelly. And today I am sitting here with Serena Wolf, who has a cool name and (laughs) is a chef, an author and a person of the Internet. (laughs) <laughs> and an Aries, and an Aries, exactly. <laughs> we in before we were mic'd up. You were uh, saying that you really don't know very much about astrology at
1: all. I don't know almost anything. I'm one of those people who I will occasionally read my horoscope, and then if it's good, I will be like, "Yes, it's definitely true." Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but and then the other, if it's bad, I'm like, "Oh no, never mind." <laughs> I mean,
0: actually, <laughs> that is. I would encourage everyone to use astrology like that. I would encourage everyone to like move through life like that. Like if you hear something that you don't like, if something isn't working for you, then release it. Uh, You don't need to leave 15 comments saying (laughs) that like the Aquarius horoscope was not uh, exactly curated to your experience. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Like we get it. I can only imagine. (laughs) Um, Okay, cool. So I'm excited to get to know you. I know our listeners are excited to get to know you. So if you wouldn't mind sharing us the legacy of Serena Wolf, which I think I just gave you your memoir title. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. I always joke. I used to play this game with my friends. Like, what is your memoir title? And mine is always I still cry all the time. <laughs>
0: oh, my God. OK.
1: So listeners
0: who astrology stands out there are like, where is Pisces in this girl's chart? Oh. Because we, that is a very Pisces attribute to cry all the time.
1: Well, so I actually, I'm like, now I'm just going completely off, like, rogue right now. But I actually didn't cry until I was, like, mid-20s. What? Like, at all. What and does that then, mean? I don't know. I mean, like, I just was never a crier. I mean, I did cry, but, like, I was not a crier. And now, just, like, floodgates open, cry when I see a puppy, cry when I see a commercial, cry Can when I'm I happy, ask cry what, when I'm sad. what
0: your birthday and year is?
1: Um, I'm March twenty second, nineteen
0: eighty seven. Oh, so you're right on the edge. Yes, McCusp. I, uh, my boyfriend was born in nineteen eighty seven too, and he's an Aries, and he has Pisces, Mercury, and Venus. I would guess that there's probably one of those. Our listeners out there will be reading okay. your chart. Okay, good. <laughs> Wonderful. Please keep me posted. Cause like but that's I that's so. So, what prompted your crying?
1: I'm honestly not sure like I would it's not it was definitely not maybe when I was younger it was more of like an emotional repression thing and that I was a very like strong stoic I'm fine person. But honestly, I got I worked through a lot of that and was sort of very emotionally open from like my early 20s onward. And then one day I don't know why I started like crying, but now it just feels so good to cry like happy or sad. And I think I'm more I think it has to do with like I've realized how much better I feel in my day to day life when I just feel feelings Mm -hmm. like anger, sadness, happiness. I'm a very anxious person. Like I run really anxious. I've had really bad anxiety for a long, long time. And I've just noticed that if I am angry, just letting myself be pissed off, or if I'm sad and being sad, or if I'm really, really happy, even if it's not appropriate to be happy, just being happy Mm -hmm. helps me manage my anxiety better by just Feeling all those feelings instead of trying to control everything.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a a wonderful correspondence to note that so much of anxiety could also come from us um, trying to manipulate our feelings to be something that they're not organically. And rather than just allowing ourselves to feel the thing that we feel, we're like, that's not the right feeling to have at this moment. I'm going to try to shove this one in and obviously like why who wouldn't get anxiety from that
1: exactly and I think it has it come I know or authenticity well and anxiety honestly are such buzzwords these days but I think authenticity in the sense of just feeling how you're feeling or being who you are or you know moving through your days being as true to yourself as possible also has reduced my anxiety so um Actually, that is a good, we can go back to your original question, which was to tell tell you a little bit about myself. But I, so let's see, um, I graduated from college in 2009, had no idea what I wanted to do with my life at all. And I went to Harvard, so I already felt very behind in my life by not having a plan of any sort. I think people, it, it was just one of those things where having gone to, I think, any competitive school, most people formulate life plans very early on, even if it's not something that they necessarily want to do. But Mm -hmm. people are like, I'm going to be a doctor or a lawyer, or I'm going to go into finance, or I'm starting my own company when I'm 19 and I'm a CEO, whatever it is. I sort of had no direction and was very scared at that point in my life. And for some reason decided on Basically, on a whim, that I wanted to move to Paris and be a writer. I had minored in French, so it, like I thought I spoke fluent French. Spoiler: like I did not <laughs> speak fluent French at all. But it was a very naive thing to be like, I'm going to make this move. I know no one, and I'm going to, you know, be a creative, so to speak. Uh, and when I moved over there a friend of mine had done the basic program at Cordon Bleu Paris and told me that I should consider doing that to give more structure to my days while I was looking for freelance writing jobs and that kind of thing over there. And nobody in my family cooks. So it was kind of ridiculous to just do that. Um, I had never had any interest in cooking prior to that. <laughs> I also was a really picky eater and just a terrible cook in general. I knew how to make, you know, dry scrambled eggs and like burnt grilled cheese. So (laughs) (laughs) so, my faves. (laughs) uh, I mean, burnt grilled cheese actually surprisingly good. But yeah, I, I really I was interested in learning something new. I also thought it would be a good life skill. I was like, I'll never regret knowing how to cook. But it was really just meant to be three months. And I also had a very romantic vision of what it would be like. I think I had also recently seen Julia and Julia and was like, oh, oh I'll be yeah, be roasting course. chickens and drinking wine <laughs> and this will be great. And anybody who's gone to culinary school knows that that's not remotely what it is like, especially at Cordon Bleu. And it was just very structured and competitive. And I it was trial by fire for me. Literal blood sweat tears. those very first Aries. few months.
0: This is very Aries energy of just like spark of inspiration. Do it. Like, just go for it.
1: But I hated it at first and, you know, called my mom crying and was like, big mistake. This whole thing was a big <laughs> mistake. I'm gonna, I need to come home and start my real life and get a real job. Um, and somewhere along the line and I don't really I can't even tell you when it was probably halfway through the semester I just really fell in love with it I think so what did
0: your mom say when you called her did she say she was
1: like my mom is very much a neither of my parents pushed me as a child in any way shape or form which is very funny in hindsight because neither of them were academic so to speak this is so funny So they
0: don't cook they're not academics. You're a chef who went to Harvard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but my dad is I mean, both of my parents are brilliant. They're just they were never really interested in school. And so I was very type A as a kid and was like, you know, top of my class 4.0 GPA, like really psycho about academics. And they were both like, we have no idea where this is coming from. <laughs> and I would be so you know, I would be freaking out the night before a test. And Do you know where like, it came from? I think it's honestly, I I don't. I think it's something just a personality quirk that I've always been incredibly self-motivated and ambitious to almost to a fault. And I worked really hard, but also things seem to work out for me in in certain ways and that does not apply to every area of my life but academically things seem to work out uh and like i was one of those people who i when i applied to harvard it was you know a long shot it's a long shot for everyone like getting into any college is it's a total crapshoot and a series of random events people mixed up the date when the Harvard rep came to my high school and I was the only one that showed up for that session. Oh so God. I basically got like an hour alone with this rep. All of these things sort of happened that I can't really explain and feels very lucky. Um, but my mom has always been a stick it out person. And so she. it wasn't that she said, you know, you have to stay in Paris and become a chef. It was more just like, you signed up for the course, you finish the course, then you can come home, which is the type of, you know, it, it, that that's the type of parental advice that you just need in mm-hmm. that moment. Like yeah. I would have probably stayed anyway, but it's just weirdly comforting to have a parent be like, you're fine. Stick it out. Yeah. You'll be fine. And I ended up really falling in love with it. I think there was a certain aspect of it you watch these demonstrations for three hours and then you replicate these recipes and you could hear a pin drop in these kitchens. And it was just so structured and I love structure. It was very regimented and, and you, you know, produce a plate at the end and you're graded sort of like in school. And I, I, you know, I love any form of schooling. And so I just, it became really sort of relaxing for me to be in the kitchen. And so I signed on and did the full diploma program which took a little over a year um and so I graduated in 2011 I had met my now husband while I was over there so I think had we not oh wow so
0: like lots of faded lots
1: well so he he was living in New York and like again such a I and I was never somebody who really believed in fate or I or even the concept of there being like the one or anything like that. I sort of was like, I'm sure there's you know many ones for different people, and I still think that's true. But when I was in culinary school, my best friend had gotten laid off, came to stay with me for two weeks, and then she was friends with my now husband, and he was coming to Paris by himself for the weekend. What like what was going to London Just randomly? Was going to London for work, and was like, oh, I may as well tack on a weekend in Paris, and found out she was there, and you know, texted her and was like, hey, I'm here for the weekend. Do you want to get drinks? And she told me her friend was there. And I just remember I was, you know, 22. We happened to be very hungover that day. And I was like, I don't want to meet anyone new. And he came (laughs) and met us for a beer in the afternoon. And I thought he was nice and whatever. But we had to go back to my apartment because it was my roommate's birthday party that night. And she was like, oh, my God, to my friend, asked where her friend was. She was like, Fifi, where's your friend? I included him in the dinner reservation. Call him back and have him come to dinner. And he came to dinner and like we've been together ever since, Wow. So we dated long distance for about nine months. And he was in New York and I was in Paris. And then when I graduated, a lot of people stay and do a three to six months internship in a restaurant in Paris. But I ended up moving back to New York, not really knowing what I wanted to do with my culinary degree, although I did know I didn't want to be in restaurants. Okay. So I was just like, I don't, that lifestyle never appealed to me. And I also think I'm too nice. There's just an element of being, you know, running a kitchen. Oh you, my God. you conjure that Gordon Ramsay image, but a, that type of mentality, the sort of scary asshole really works in a yeah, restaurant. I,
0: I dated a chef um, when I was in my twenties in LA and he was uh, a piece of work I mean it was (laughs) like I would have to constantly remind him like you cannot yell at me like you cannot yell at me for me to do something like it is abuse it is verbal abuse and he was like sorry I'm just like so used to (laughs) talking to people like this yeah coincidentally but also not coincidentally in some ways at the same time I was uh, between jobs, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And I w- had my first restaurant job. And they were so mean to me in there. The chef was like so <laughs> abusive. And it was really interesting to admit in my personal life to have a yeah. chef yelling at me. And then and then, <laughs> and then it worked to have a chef yelling at me. Uh, uh, I, I, there was some lesson there. I'm still unpacking it. But
1: <laughs> it's but it is a very distinct personality type. And I'm not on here being like all chefs are assholes but i no. just knew that that was not my that was not going to be the right atmosphere for me so i had started a food blog while i was in paris and it was very shitty It was like it had a pink background and was it's my current website is called domesticateme.com. it was domesticate com. It, it had just terrible blackberry photos and very bad recipes and funny stories, but I loved doing it. And so I came home and blogging, traditional blogging was sort of having a moment then, but I was so far from being able to come close to supporting myself from that blog. Like nobody was reading it really. But (laughs) I was like, I want to build this up. So I was building that up. I was hostessing at a restaurant. I was going to people's apartments and teaching them, giving cooking classes, but in the sense that it was. Here's how to cook a piece of salmon and some quinoa. Very basic. I, basic I will still need you teaching. at my place. To yes, help me with that, <laughs> I'm so. happy to come to okay. that. <laughs> um, and sort of doing a lot of odd food jobs, and then I started a column on my blog that was based on my husband, who we had moved in together, and I just had realized sort of how ridiculous his eating habits were and he just didn't really know a lot about nutrition and i was a little bit worried about his sort of (laughs) long-term health you were like (laughs) me i was like you need to eat a vegetable sometimes and like perhaps your whole plate can't be orange it's like meat (laughs) and cheese and bread and hot sauce and that was pretty much it um kind of hot sauce he actually is an equal opportunist. So people always laugh when they come over because I can't fit all of our hot sauces in the cabinets. There's just not space, so they're proudly displayed oh, on the wow. counter. But it's different thing like different types of hot sauce for different things. So he I loves like that. Franks. I was for ba- I saw for th- like I mac a vision and of cheese. Yes, like things or wings. Like Franks. But if he'll go sort of ch- like Cholula. For certain things or really scary hot sauces that he's got. Like the ghost <laughs> yes, pepper shit. Exactly, for different things. So it's very funny. We have many, many hot sauces. But I wanted to convince him to start eating a little bit more healthily. And I was just not really getting anywhere because he didn't necessarily need to lose weight and he didn't care really about eating better. So given that I was cooking so much anyway, I just started revamping all of his favorite foods so like chicken fingers cheesesteaks lasagna all these things and just cutting out like all everything processed and using more whole foods mm-hmm. so leaner meats more whole grains more vegetables in a way that didn't scare him and he loved it and so I started this column on my blog called the dude diet that was just meant to be funny and fun and sharing these recipes and sort of also communicating nutrition in a way that felt funny and accessible versus sort of restrictive and oppressive. Right, yeah. <laughs> and that was the first thing on my blog that people really responded to. And I remember, and also keep in mind, there were not a ton of people reading at this point. So I probably got five emails and I was like, I've made it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Classic Aries. Uh, yes.
1: And so <laughs> I, I really ran with that and it became a regular column on the blog. And it wasn't just it was called the dude diet it wasn't just for men. It was just people who wanted to not subscribe to particularly restrictive mainstream diets and wanted to get a little bit healthier and eat comfort foods. <laughs> and so that column landed me a gig as a private chef for a couple guys on the New York Giants. So I did that for a few years. Oh, wow, that sounds cool. And, and that was it was a very it was the perfect learning experience because I think most people sort of cut their teeth earn their stripes whatever you want to call it cooking on the line and I think for me that was my equivalent of cooking on the line in a restaurant in terms of getting the experience I needed in in the cooking world because at the end of the day I graduated from culinary school I'm like I am now a chef but I didn't know shit I'm still learning you know it's it's eight and a half years later and I still have so much to learn and so that was really amazing experience. And I got, even though it wasn't for me, that job in the sense that it's so personal and you're so much more than a chef, you're like a shrink and a friend and a maid and all of these things. And it felt sort of weird and overwhelming. And all of these things sort of helped me realize what I don't like. And I kept sort of shifting aspects of my career to make me like my day to day more um and I got my first book deal right near the end of 2014 and yeah that's right and then um the season the giant season finished up and I didn't take another year on and I just committed to they invited you to yeah well because I I don't cook for the whole team I just cook for specific guys so yes there were always guys that needed chefs so and you said no um, I said no just because it w- well, I think this sounds really glamorous. It's terrible work, it's very low pay. <laughs> it's okay. Like it's great for your resume and to be like, I cook for guys on the giants, but it's not like a gig that uh, <laughs> okay, you're I got you're, it. you're turning away, you know, <laughs> the big bucks and the prestige. Um and so I started working on the dude diet that came out in 2016 and I kept sort of pivoting. So when that book came out. Um, I was still blogging. I wasn't doing much private chefing or teaching anymore. But I started get being able to get sort of more speaking gigs. And then I started also shifting. That was around the time that Instagram stories came onto the scene. And those are my jam. Like, I never liked Instagram until there were stories because... Did you use Snapchat before? I did. Do um, you still? No, I don't. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I don't have time. Um, but... I really loved that format because I felt like it let me just be myself. I always really struggled with Instagram captions. I felt like they weren't me. And I was like trying to be myself in a truncated format, which is why I always like blogging because I could tell longer format stories. Um, And I realized, I think after I turned my first book in, I started to feel really burnt out on the recipe development front. I was like, I can't just keep churning out new recipes until I die. I was like, I'm now getting sick of it, but I also don't have fresh ideas. And I was really just burnt out and and panicked about what was next because I didn't have any new ideas. And so I started talking about other things that I was really passionate about on the blog and on Instagram and talking a lot more about anxiety, mental health in general. I love skincare. I'm like a shameless skincare fetishist, So I started talking about that. Um And just sort of diving into other topics that I loved and not being so scared that people would reject me because I was talking about something other than food. Because for a long time, I spent like four years wanting to branch out and being like, well, people will leave if. I talk about anything other than food. And I think that was just my own insecurity. And people did leave, obviously, but I've also gotten so many other wonderful people who have come on board because now there's such a broader range of content available. Um, And then my second book came out this fall. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, So I've sort of been doing a mix of things for the past few years. And then I just got back from a three-month book tour. And now I'm sort of sitting here being like, okay. What's
0: next? <laughs> yeah, I that's I, I really love the way that you told your story because it was really easy to follow, um, and it sort of takes us into real time of so the same some of the same questions that haven't been resolved yet. Yeah, which is like you know, what are you doing for the rest of your life? Um, this is something I think about quite frequently, and I have to really push it away. Yeah. Because in making the decision to completely pursue astrology, I knew, well, at the time, I felt like I was, you know, this was basically it. You know, like, if I came out publicly as an astrologer, like, I could kiss all of those (laughs) other jobs goodbye. Yeah. Like, forever. I'm never going to be seen in the same way as when it was something that I was not uh, the face of. Uh, Yes. Before, in my... My first pursuit, I had founded a company based on astrology, but it wasn't, you know, I wasn't the one who was driving it. It was the company was driving itself. And then when I stepped into sort of like the public facing of it, I was like, man, this is uh, feels like a big risk. I'm really scared of this. (laughs) But I did it because it was just obvious that I had to. It was like the universe was just being like, girl, these are the opportunities for you. So you got to own it or you're going to lose them but still you know i now think like this uh, this has been great for you know my 20 my late 20s i'm now in my early 30s but i have to live the rest of my life and i don't know i have no 5 year plan at all i know that there are certain milestones that i would like i would like to buy a house at some point i feel like that would be wonderful but really aside from that i have no like timeline or trajectory or idea as to what even next year is going to look like, which I can handle on a day to day basis. But when I think of it like, you know, from a 30,000 foot perspective,
1: it feels really overwhelming and scary. And I I keep forgetting that nobody can see us. I'm just vigorously nodding my head <laughs> <Lisa> right now. <laughs> but I think what So for me, especially having anxiety, anxiety thrives in the past and in the future. So for me, living in the present is really hard. And it's something that I've had to work on a lot, like just in my day to day life and in therapy and all of these things of being like, okay, we can't predict the future. But what's liberated me, so to speak, and I think, you know, we would have to sit here for hours i'm sure to get through all the things that we both do it's like i also host a podcast that i like for completely forgot to mention like there's all these other things that i do in my day to day that we don't even see as sometimes as different compartments of our career that i like to think that for now this phase of my life, I'm a chef, author, person of the internet, like we said at the <laughs> beginning, which is like a very catch-all thing for the many hyphens in my career. But what I've found a lot of comfort in is because now, especially that I'm home from this tour in the past 10 days, literally every single person that I've seen met with friends, family, colleagues, random professional meetings that I had people are like, so what's next? <laughs> and I'm like, we should... that should go in the category of like, when are you getting married? Or like, Mm -hmm. are are you thinking about kids? Like, it's all things that I'm like, don't don't ask somebody that, especially when they're overtired. Um, But I think that the knowledge that you can continue to pivot and to create a sort of new career, not, not something, you know, I think it's a lot harder than that, but that you can continue to pivot to make yourself happier and if you start to burn out on something that there are other options and that even if your skill set is in a specific area like I'm like sure I went to culinary school but there are so many aspects of my various jobs over the years that could be applied to so many other jobs if I were ever to every every couple years I'm like do I want to go get a more traditional Job so that I can sleep better at night, not thinking about the what's next question, and ultimately I get over that. But
0: with a traditional job, you have that too. Yes,
1: no, I I completely agree, and I think there are very few people. My husband is one of them, and I I am very jealous in that he loves his job and he like he works in finance, he does healthcare investing, but he like loves healthcare. He loves like learning about different medical devices and all of these things, and it it's it makes him so happy. I think he's very secure in his life path the his job is very stressful and there's no you know he works because he works in finance and is sort of at the mercy of the market there's no guarantee of financial success or anything like that but i think waking up every day and going to bed at night being like this is my forever career is relatively soothing and I'm very jealous of that but no I don't think it applies to you know all jobs I just think being having the comfort that you don't have to stay in the same job forever and especially because we are probably going to live to be close to a hundred and we are going to work so much longer than generations before us I think being a little bit flexible. Yeah, I mean,
0: everyone just saw JLo's half. Yes. Show. That's, exa- what, that's what that's 50. All right. Exactly. Here so we
1: go. <laughs> I think being flexible is the one thing that has given me a lot more peace of mind and freedom over the past few years and sort of letting go of expectations that I thought other people had for me, which I realized were mostly created in my head. And I love that you just said that you don't have a 5-year plan or you don't know exactly what you want to do with your life because I don't think we talk about that enough. I think that I get so many questions just from people randomly about career stuff and I'm like I I don't have it figured out. Like I think we all tend to give off this impression that we know what we're doing and I think there's especially with social media in in an effort to be aspirational people forget to share their failures and i think a lot of people say that they want to you know write people will all the time say to me like it's my dream to write a cookbook and i'm like okay i'm i love my books and i'm so proud of them the two years that were like the year that I spent writing each of them were, were like two of the worst years of my life. It's deeply terrible to write a book, <laughs> just like it's deeply terrible to do many things that are creative endeavors. And then the payoff is so worth it in the sense that you finish it and you're like so happy and proud. And there are highs and lows. And I don't want to say that I was miserable the whole time, but there are a lot of lows. And I think that also, you know, I've now been doing my various... Uh, jobs for almost nine years. And I think people w- sometimes this day and age forget to talk about how long it takes to do anything well. And it's a lot of people are looking for like a shortcut or like, what are you to I see all over TV, magazines, social media, whatever, like top tips for XYZ success. And it's like, okay, but the, the final tip should always be just stick it out. because like, A lot of people give up so early on on products because you don't see the returns immediately. And for example, just like in the blogging world, it's like 95% of people who have ever started a blog have just abandoned it a few months in because they're like, well, nobody's reading it. I'm like, it took me over two years to have any reasonable metrics or be making any money from my blog. So I think that part of success in any area is just, just straight up fucking perseverance.
0: But then there's the uh, you know, it that alone is such a privilege. Yeah, one thousand
1: percent. I
0: don't know if I've ever communicated it quite like this before, but between all of these different odd jobs that I had as I've been trying before I am in the iteration that I am in now, I got laid off, which yes. gave me a severance package for three months. And it was the first time ever in my life that I could relax. Got and it. it was cause I would you know get fired or leave or just like be like I don't want to do this anymore I'm going in this direction and I had to pay my rent like I never had the luxury to just sit and reflect and build without somehow seeing yeah. some return financially it really is a financial a, a financial variable absolutely um, and just having 3 months which is barely any time at all was enough for me to build the business that i have now which sustains me a hundred percent yeah and is you know i make more money being self-employed than i ever had at any of these shitty jobs where i was being treated horribly so it's amazing to be able to be like if you give yourself just that little bit of time but time is such an asset time is so valuable and it's so expensive and it's so hard for so many people to have even three months my advice Go find a job and get fired.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But and I think I think maybe I agree with you on all fronts there and it is such a privilege. But I think maybe I communicated that poorly in the sense that people are always like, when did you go full time with the blog? And I never went full time with the blog. So what I'm saying is, Mm -hmm. like, I didn't see any return for my blog. And I was I was if I had had more time, maybe I would have seen that return quick more quickly. But what I was saying was, like, I was working all those other jobs to make money that I didn't like. And I think sometimes there is all this pressure these days to do jobs that you love. And I'm like, often you have to do a lot of jobs that you don't like. And I was like, and also, I don't think you have to love your job. I think as long as you love, you have passions in your life that fulfill you. I think it's way too stressful to think that your source of fulfillment has to be your job. It can be a hobby. It can be relationships and you know certain whether you know like if you go to your job and you don't love it but then you come home and you maybe make pottery or you read trashy novels and hang out with your friends and like you feel happy then that is enough you don't have to wake up every day and be like i'm living my passion
0: i agree i think that um you know there's going to be different people have different value sets people want different yeah. things and it seems like the way that the culture is right now, and I feel like we're about to have some sort of a burst on it because Instagram feels so uh, unsustainable now. Agree. It just feels like not everybody is living this well.
1: <laughs> Come yeah. on,
0: which I think you know, TikTok is obviously a big reaction to, which is like so sloppy and so uncurated and like just so raw. Yeah, uh, I'm p- fascinated by TikTok. You know, from a- even a philosophical perspective, like the relationship between, you know, Facebook and then how, inst- you know, Facebook absorbed Instagram and then that just dominated for so long. And I think things are changing. I yeah. think that especially with the younger generations with Gen Z, they're like, no, I'm not taking a picture of my avocado. <laughs> like we're over it. Yeah. Um, and I I hear that because I think our generation, we're about the same age is feeling the extraordinary fatigue uh. of, maintenance yeah. of trying to just keep all of everything just like building and growing and scaling but like you're like I don't even know where we're what we're fucking building anymore I lost the blueprints
1: a long long time ago and I love I really have taken so much comfort in talking to my parents and their friends about their career trajectories and successes and failures because I think it's really only our generation probably bolstered by the explosion of social media that leads us to believe that if you're not successful by you' in your 20s and you, you're not 30 under 30 or like whatever these things are, that you can't be successful. And pretty much all of the people who, I tr- really admire, and I admire, don't get me wrong, I admire so many of my peers as well. But the people that I always looked up to, their huge successes came like late 40s to 60. Like that's when they really hit their stride and got, you know, to a level of success, whether that's creatively or financially, that I really love. And there are certain people. I love me some Ina Garden. I just, she cracks me up. Like, I like the whole thing. And Ina didn't even start, you know, any of her TV shows or anything until like she was almost 50. And I'm just like, that's incredible. Like, why do we put all this pressure on ourselves when we can, and, you know, obviously we need to feel financially secure and all of these things. But at the same time, I sometimes think when we hit certain milestones, we don't celebrate them at this stage in our life or feel, feel anything other than the the what's next and like how am I going bigger, harder, becoming more successful. At at what point is it enough? At like whether that's you can pick a financial thing or a you know some sort of creative milestone. But I, I've just found that, and this applies to me personally, is I'll do something like finish a book. And I will feel proud and happy about it for like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then I will start being like, okay, I have to start the next thing. And it's just there's always something else on the horizon. And so a few years ago, one of my New Year's, I don't like to make resolutions, but like one of the things I wanted to do was to like celebrate more, just anything, like literally anything, but just celebrate more. And so I've been doing that. that. It's It's been like amazing. And like I started this was two years ago and I feel like it's one of the few. I'm like everyone, if you're struggling to keep New Year's like resolutions or intentions choose this one because it's much more fun to stick to yeah for but sure like, we always have champagne in our fridge like that's just like what like there's always a bottle of cold champagne in case we need it i am there's- obsessed
0: with this <laughs> i am so obsessed with this my leo ass is like it's i always want to celebrate
1: yeah i always want to celebrate me too and like oh my it's, God. it's made me and like celebrating the little things has made me and the big things has just made me more excited about my life in general. And what feels extra good is doing it for other people. But like when my book came out at the end of October, she flew from Indianapolis for like, we were having a gathering of like my close friends just to have a little book launch celebration to celebrate. She came all the way from Indianapolis for one night. And like brought me (laughs) my favorite gummy bears and champagne, and like the next day I was like, I can't believe it meant so much to me that you were here for this like silly you know little party or whatever. And she was like, it. She was like, I know this sounds like tripe bullshit, but she was like, life is short. What is the purpose if not to show up to celebrate the people that you love? And I was like, that is the most like yeah, it's just profound. like it's really fucking profound and I was just like I've now I try to emulate her always because she's such a good friend but like celebrating yourself is wonderful and it's important but also it feels really good to like when something happens at work for a friend or the, and it can be the real mi- you know it can be real milestones it can be having a kid or you know a big work promotion or getting engaged but like <laughs> it's funny like if a friend is like look at my new haircut and you're like sweet let's go out you have a new haircut you know like whatever it is it's just like celebrating weird shit and my happiness levels have increased so much and my anxiety levels have decreased so much just making that like mind shift
0: yes I I really am going to incorporate that into my life I feel like that is such a actionable item um and also just like keeps things in
1: perspective it does it's uh, and you'll notice how once you commit to it you'll notice how much you have to celebrate whereas like if you have the opposite perspective of like oh none of this is worth celebrating then there's like a scarcity mindset in terms of your happiness
0: (laughs) right right and we know that with any sort of abundance practice law of attraction whatever you want to call it like like attracts like you know it's also one of the principles of like magic and esotericism. Yeah. So if you're celebrating, then the universe is like, oh, she loves celebrating. <laughs> well, just, <laughs> well, let's just keep giving her more shit to celebrate.
1: And I think it's a very interesting what you just said about magic. It's like I've always been a hyper rational person. And I ha, I am very bad at magical thinking because when it comes to, you know, life plans and goal setting and like whatever. I will think of all these things I want to do. And I'll be like, I want to have, you know, do diet fast casual restaurants. And I want to have product lines. Like I want to have a skincare line for men, like all of these things. And then I'm like, you can't, that's crazy. Like that's, how are you going to do that? You don't have the skill set for that. And I'm really good at talking myself out of things. And so that's sort of something that I'm working on too is being like, it doesn't matter if it sounds ridiculous, just put it out there. And like take small, actionable steps towards that. Because I think sometimes it can feel overwhelming being like, I want this. How do I get to it? And it's like breaking things down into really small, actionable day-to-day things. I find very comforting. So it's still a struggle. I don't have it figured out. I'm just working on it.
0: (laughs) This is such an important conversation. I think that um, sort of what we alluded to earlier, like it doesn't really matter whether your passion here is like, cooking or astrology or magic or just like vlogging to vlog like all of these are this is such important awareness to have of self and moment and to stay present and to reduce anxiety I mean we are a very very anxious world right now and a lot of it with good reason you know there's no one would fault us for being anxious Mm -mm. but we're the ones who have to like deal with it.
1: Yeah. And I think what's really interesting too is the way the world is today, I think there are a lot of people because of the anxiety we all feel who are looking for like a map to various things, whether it's career success, a happy marriage, like whatever it is. It's like everybody wants a first word that came to mind, oh. forgive me the puns, but it's like everybody wants a recipe for Mm -hmm. everything in their life. And I'm like, even when I'm cooking, I'm always telling people like, written recipes for food are roadmaps. Like, you gotta do you. If you don't like spice, don't put hot peppers in your recipe. (laughs) You know, like if you hate sweetness, leave out the sweetener. Like, whatever you want to do, the worst thing that happens is that you don't love the meal that you created. But like, it's there's no real, downside to experimenting and I think that's something that I wish I had learned earlier is like I spent so many years trying to fit into a box that I literally created for myself Mm -hmm. based on what I thought other people were expecting of me or judging me for which again like I said it was all in my head and I just felt so unfulfilled and like sure you're gonna get With anything you do, you're going to get haters like we were joking about people commenting and being like this horoscope is not (laughs) exactly right for like Pisces today, whatever it is, people are going to give you both positive and negative feedback. And like you can reflect on that feedback and learn from it. But like you are not remotely beholden to it. You don't owe everybody something it is impossible to please everyone and not everyone's going to pick up what you're putting down and getting comfortable with that is arguably the hardest thing that i i try and do on a day-to-day basis is being like look like not everyone's going to like your your food or the way that you talk or that you use excessive amounts of profanity or like whatever it is there's always going to be people who don't don't vibe with you and like letting go of that and just being like well you want to find your community that does and then leaning into that Mm -hmm. is much easier than trying to please everyone because no matter what you do you can never please everyone yes
0: and this applies to whether you are creating content or if you are working in a corporate
1: job yep oh absolutely i and i also think it applies to like Interpersonal relationships, like outside of work as well. It's just like, it is okay. I think as we've gotten older, too, I don't know if you've noticed the precipitous drop off in like the number of friends that you spend quality time with. Indeed, I have. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that that's actually like a wonderful thing to the older I've gotten, the more I'm just like, well, like we don't, I don't have a lot in common with this person anymore or actually. I don't I'm not positive that I ever really liked that person or they really liked me to begin with. We just happen to be in the same social circle. Yeah, like playdates. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I think it's totally fine to keep your circle tight and, you know, engage with people. Like I'm a total weirdo. And like I love like I think everybody is a weirdo and I think it's a beautiful thing. But it's like you got to find compatible weirdos. (laughs) <laughs> Beautiful.
0: <laughs> oh my god. That that might be the name of this episode. Yes. shirt <laughs> Compatible weirdos. <laughs> okay. Well, this is all absolutely amazing. Where can we find you, Serena?
1: You can find me at domesticate-me.com or at Serena G Wolf on all social media. And the Dude Diet and the Dude Diet Dinner Time are available wherever books are sold. Thank you so much. Thank you.